Section 66 of Anecdotes of Big Cats and Other Beasts. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Nancy Cochran Gergen, Gilbert, Arizona. Anecdotes of Big Cats and Other Beasts by David Alec Wilson. The Brief Biography of a Little Bear. Part 6. Life in a Country Town. Their destination was Kaif Town, a Burman name that means a ridge of rock. As you go up the river to Rangoon, a low ridge is visible, inland, on the right, almost parallel to the muddy bank, and not very far from it. It is a ridge of rock, but in that benignant land there seems to be something indecent, or at least savoring of skeletons, in bare rocks like those of more desolate countries, and in this instance, as usual there you may know the rock is below but you see only the elevated greenery towards the seaward end of the ridge is kayak town a little country town on a tidal creek invisible from the ocean steamers there was the new home of our happy heroine there she lived in her master's house amid abundance infinite to her because she could not measure it milk and rice she tolerated as other children do but even of these she took only what she wanted, and she had an embarrassing choice of riches of other kinds, enough to make any honey-bear quite happy. The deep black of her fine fur was relieved by beautiful white lines on her bosom, meeting in the middle, like a necklace with a pendant on the breast. As she squatted on her haunches, her nose was little above the edge of the table, but when she stood up to help herself, as she was continually doing, the natural decoration on her bosom was conspicuous, and she almost seemed as if quite nicely dressed. Table manners she had none. How could she have manners when she had no hands? The word manners comes from the word for hand. Main, manus. Manners mean a dexterity that hands make possible for men and monkeys, but not for bears. If they had had the hands, and we their paws, the evolution of species would have taken a different turn, and the course of the world's history changed indeed. Our heroine had to adapt herself, and did it with great dexterity, but she could not grow hands. Her method at table was to reach forth both her paws and scoop in towards herself whatever she wanted, and then she would lift things to her lips with both paws, using her nails almost as the Chinese do their chopsticks. It was not her fault that she had to break glasses and upset dishes and make many a mess. Her master could deny her nothing. It was therefore lucky for him that her tastes were not expensive. She liked fruits best, and the fresh kinds too, which are cheap, not the tin things. But she was not bigoted. Her appetite was eclectic. Sweet jam was appreciated, and honey in high degree but she did not altogether refuse marmalade if she saw nothing better. Occasionally she was utterly unreasonable, and became troublesome, not by pulling the tablecloth, as did another Burman bear of my acquaintance, but by a peculiarity equally characteristic of a pet that was spoiled, or it might be attributed to her temperament. It consisted in being so absorbed in what she saw that she forgot everything else, just like the ordinary doctrinaire or idealist or athlete or any other kind of common person able to see only one thing at a time 
For example, if she saw plantains on the table, and wanted them, but did not then want any of the milk or sugar or other things intervening, she ignored what she did not want, and leaned over far enough to include the plantains in her magnificent embrace, and pulled the plantains to her, unheeding all the rest. No man is perfect. Her mistress confessed that he once or twice was so provoked at such a performance as to give her a tap on the nose, whereupon she went and sulked in a corner, as he expressed it. But how could he tell what she was thinking? Some said she whimpered for her mother on such occasions. The Burmans say, when the child trips, it cries for its mother. But it is not certain that she remembered her early days, for she was but a young thing when she was caught and taken to a man's house. Her master may well have been an indifferent substitute for an indulgent parent, but he was all she had, and his jam was very good. He was not allowed to monopolize her young affections. She had not been long in Kayaktan before she had explored the town, and even found her way to the bazaar or market, where the stallholders, male and female, welcomed her with open arms. To tell Europeans of a bear running about loose and being welcomed with open arms in the markets may seem a fairy tale, and though in a narrative of fact it is permissible to tell what is stranger than fiction, still it may be as well to explain a few things that Europeans cannot easily know. The Kayaktan Bazaar was a retail market, where people were never in a hurry, quite different from Covent Garden. And the bears of Burma have different habits from those of Europe. They are smaller, too, but that is the least of the difference. In Europe, if we mean to be rude and impute rudeness, we call a man a bear. To torture bears was a familiar sport, not long ago, bear-baiting. We still use the word, and big bears ignominiously led captive may still be seen, be mocked to make a foolish holiday. All this implies a hostile attitude which is never seen in Burma. Perhaps a grim passage in Gibbon's history may be quoted to show the contrast. It is in chapter 25 and concerns the great emperor Valentinian, A.D. 364-375. to He had put his brother Valens on the throne at Constantinople and taken charge of the rowdier end of the world himself. In the government of his household, or of his empire, slight or even imaginary offenses, a hasty word, a casual omission, an involuntary delay, were chastised by a sentence of immediate death. The expressions which issued the most readily from the mouth of the Emperor of the West were, Strike off his head, burn him alive, let him be beaten with clubs till he expires and his most favored ministers soon understood that, by a rash attempt to dispute or suspend the execution of his sanguinary commands, they might involve themselves in the guilt and punishment of disobedience. The repeated gratification of this savage justice hardened the mind of Valentinian against pity and remorse, and the sallies of passion were confirmed by the habits of cruelty. He could behold with calm satisfaction the convulsive agonies of torture and death, he reserved his friendship for those faithful servants whose temper was the most congenial to his own. The merit of Maximin, who had slaughtered the noblest families of Rome, was rewarded with the royal approbation and the prefecture of Gaul. Two fierce and enormous bears, 
distinguished by the appellations of innocence and mica oria could alone deserve to share the favor of maximin the cages of those trusty guards were always placed near the bedchamber of valentinian who frequently amused his eyes with the grateful spectacle of seeing them tear and devour the bleeding limbs of the malefactors who were abandoned to their rage their diet and exercises were carefully inspected by the roman emperor and when innocence had earned her discharge by a long course of meritorious service the faithful animal was again restored to the freedom of her native woods unlike those occidental savages the heroine of our history if asked to eat the flesh of men or even butcher's meat would have felt as much insulted as bernard shaw himself i do not mean that either she or the shaw would rather starve than nibble a chicken but that their tastes were delicate and they preferred cereals and vegetables and fruits and sweets to any kind of carcasses the burmans call the bear wet one the governor or minister of the pigs the gentleman pig and sometimes say between jest and earnest that pigs and bears are good buddhists that is because they are not murderous though strong it is only in self-defense that they ever do hurt they live in general without taking life and a nice she-bear that was sleek and tame was a treat to see especially as she was not proud the unpardonable sin in mongolian eyes she was ever willing to accept little titbits of fruit and to stand and be caressed by anybody the woods were near no doubt she often lifted up her eyes in that direction but the sweet things of the table and the excitements of the bazaar all the comforts of charing cross so to speak kept her from trying to escape i once knew a pet that did run away and after some days absence came back again but in this instance the bear did not worry her master in that way servants are not partial to pets she could go wherever she liked and perhaps they would not have been sorry if she had departed altogether but she always came back perhaps it was because she could escape at any time as easily to-morrow as to-day there was no hurry she may have intended to go off to the woods at some time or other and always postponed it as gerda admirably says we love to walk along the plains with the summit in our eye whatever her feelings or thoughts when she took her walks abroad that is to say outside her master's little park or compound she generally went to the bazaar end of section sixty six recording by nancy cochran gergen gilbert arizona